0: This is episode 181 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 181 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have Charles Crompton on the show and I'm not going to give a big intro on Charles. The main takeaway from this episode is this guy uh, with a handful of properties decided that he was going to quit his job and go full-time into Airbnb arbitrage. So he set up a model and set up a business and he hit the ground running. He's amassed a very very good quantity of rental units uh, already in his portfolio and he went through the strategy that he uses to get landlords on board and it's absolutely insane what he's accomplished in just six months time so uh, this is a really inspiring episode Uh, just goes to show how quickly somebody can turn an idea into a full-time income Um, and uh, I really think that's well worth sharing as a story. So super excited to share this episode with you, and I think you're really going to get a lot out of it. As always, I want to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, and if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit all the buttons and uh, subscribe. Just leave us a comment. Help more people find the show. Be greatly appreciated, and uh, without further ado, let's jump into episode 181 with Charles Crompton. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Charles Crompton on the show. Charles, thanks for being here. Yeah, happy to be here. So Charles, tell me uh, a little bit about how this interview came to be.
1: Yeah, that's a good good place to start. Uh, Well, I was uh, listening to one of your earlier podcasts. Someone had recommended it to me um, and it was on Airbnb rental arbitrage um, and something struck me uh, about that concept and that idea, um, and in short, it had uh, both my wife and I uh, quit our jobs to start up an arbitrage business full time.
0: So you're saying that that this show actually inspired you to quit your job? And oh wow! Yes, sir.
1: I, I, I had cool. heard of uh, arbitrage. Uh, you know, going through social media, I had seen a couple con- you know videos on it, uh, but I hadn't heard of it in Canada. And someone said, well, there's, there's a video on the Andrew Hines podcast, which I had heard of before. And so I I got on, uh, listened to that interview. Um, and that just gave me the confidence and conviction that, uh, this was the right thing for us. So we quit and then, and here we are today, but I guess there's more of the backstory I'll I'll need to share at some point as well.
0: Well, yeah, for sure. I want to get you, uh, I want to get you to share that, but uh, yeah. Okay. So, so tell me about you as a, as an investor, when did you start investing? Is it investing or is it just arbitrage?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, so I've been investing uh, both in uh, real estate uh, and stock investing uh, really since out of university. So I bought my first rental property when I was pretty young, uh, but on the real estate side, I, I would say I've been relatively passive. Uh, you know, buying turnkey properties and having long-term tenants, um, and, and not being too active in with with that space. Uh, my experience and background, um, even from a corporate perspective, my my corporate experience uh, designations and whatnot, is all on the uh, stock investing side. And so we've you know created some some wealth through you know RSPs and you know TFSA's and just diversified long-term stock portfolios.
0: Okay, um, so what did you go to school
1: for? Yeah, I went to school for business, uh, commerce, uh, finance was, was my major in the last year there, um, and then coming out of school, I got a job in the finance industry uh, with Edward Jones, an investment firm, um, and then I continued on that track, so getting designations, my you know CFP, um, you know, Chartered investment manager, mm-hmm. and, and so most of my background is on stock and and, and typical uh, you know wealth through yeah. through the markets. Um, real estate's always been something uh, I've been doing on the side until arbitrage. <laughs>
0: Okay, so you're just doing it on the side. So before arbitrage, how many properties did you have in your portfolio? Not many. Um, uh, Three total. Okay, three total. And have you bought more or is it just arbitrage at this point?
1: Uh, Yeah, good question. Uh, we, We had a very strategic approach. The idea was to create that cash flow through arbitrage Um, And then start to acquire more properties Mm -hmm. as well and use our our company then to to manage those properties. So we just purchased two in Calgary um, and we'll be looking to ramp up acquisitions um, owning these properties.
0: Okay. I'm just going to have, I'm going to have so many questions for you. I'm like, where do I even start? (laughs) What do I want to ask next? Um, Okay. So first off as the financial planner, (laughs) I mean, that's typically a role where you're saying, you know, mutual funds um, and I've sat with them as well. Um, Obviously stuff that doesn't earn like what real estate investors earn. So has this sort of been, you know, seeing the light, making a change, or is this is this uh, something that you see as a complement to what you do um, philosophically when you're when you're selling investments to people? Um, do you still see the best value for them to be investing in those type of products, or are you still doing that with Edward Jones, or that's not anymore?
1: No, uh, both my wife and I oh, quit yeah, our quit. jobs, you quit. You and, quit. And, and and we uh, and we we quit fast before we even started arbitrage. Uh, really? to, to be fair, yeah, we 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 jumped right in. Um, but, but but your your question's a, a big one on on the philosophy of it all. Um, and I, I would say that the that with arbitrage in particular, it was the potential for really high cash flow returns. It's it's a business, in my opinion, more so than just an investment strategy to run arbitrage. I mean, you can you can pick up a few arbitrage properties for sure but it was this business concept that that just made a lot of sense and i saw a potential to replace our corporate incomes real fast it was about the cash on cash return mm-hmm. uh, and that's ultimately what had us uh, you know leave our our corporate jobs but certainly i still see a, a ton of merit in, in stock investing the basic way that you know what people are aware of or, you know most people um it's slower it's a slower grind to create wealth for mm-hmm. sure um but if you have the right advice um and and you have the right techniques in place uh, for for proper leverage, smart leverage, uh, you can actually achieve a lot of the same types of returns as real estate, which is really the, that leverage return, right? It, it can be achieved in the stock world as well. You just mm-hmm. need to have the right strategy.
0: Right. Yeah. You got to be a little bit more sophisticated, but the same thing goes in real estate. You got you to gotta become sophisticated. You have to learn, which I mean, there's a lot of education for it out there. Um, I haven't really looked to see if equivalent education exists in the podcast world for for stock investing. I'm sure it does, um, but just never never really been much of a passion of mine. But of course, yes, I know and more and more often I'm seeing a lot of the real estate investors on here are also stock investors or options traders. That's a common one, which I'm sure you've heard about.
1: Absolutely. Very familiar. Not my cup of tea. Similar
0: with real estate,
1: I I do prefer to buy quality and hold it for the long term. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, using that leverage to compound the growth more so than trying to, uh, you know, do the the stuff that takes more of your time, like options trading requires uh, an incredible amount of day-to-day research and time. Um, Whereas if you buy the right quality real estate um, Mm -hmm. and you have the right teams, uh, it shouldn't need much of your time. And similar to buying, Quality stocks and diverse, having a diversified strategy and a process in place, uh, it pretty much builds and grows itself. So you just follow the process you built ahead of time and, uh, right, pretty easy.
0: Yeah. You got to follow your process. That's right. Yes, sir. Okay. So let's get into where you live. So, like, in which geographic region are you?
1: Yeah. We're, we're in Burlington. Uh, so, we, you know, okay. just outside of, of, of Toronto, obviously. Um, Damn. and our, inter- Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, That's right. And in terms of our uh, Airbnb operations, uh, we are mostly in southwestern Ontario here. Uh, So Burlington, Hamilton, Kitchener, Waterloo, uh, London, Windsor uh, is a lot of our main hubs. Um, And now we're also uh, in Calgary and Moncton.
0: So you're doing arbitrage in all those places? Yes, sir. Holy moly. Okay. So tell me about step one, when you started, you heard it on my podcast, what was going through your head? Why did you say I can do this?
1: Yeah. Jeez. Good question. So, um, I mean, my wife and I have always been focused on, you know, creating wealth and, and retiring early, you know, financial freedom has always been that direction. Uh, we don't want to be part of that, the rat race for our whole lives. Um, we want to spend more time with our family and our friends um, and that's what has pushed us, you know, through our wealth creation goals to this point. And then I guess kind of what happened um, in, in just this past summer. So it wasn't that long. Just this past summer, um, we just realized, um, you know, definitely how grateful we we were, but we were on track towards all of our big goals, right we We lived in a we live in a beautiful home. Um, we're raising a beautiful family. We have a two year old daughter, um, and we were easily on track uh, without any further effort really to, to retire, you know, somewhere in our, our, our late forties and, you know, which is great. And we we're, you know, grateful for that, but then we kind of thought, well, geez, you know, it's 15 years at least uh, until then. And what now, like are we really just going to kind of live our, our nine to five jobs, you know, do the rat race for 15 more years, they just seemed like there, you know, we wanted to at least explore, you know, what else can we do to kind of expand our purpose or, or our goals. And uh that's when we started, you know, being more proactive and doing some research on the investment strategy, specifically with creating cash flow. So we had created wealth. Uh, we have wealth, you know, again, large stock portfolios and, and some real estate. So we had wealth, but we were trying to explore ways that we can create passive income to quit our jobs, essentially. Uh, and and we thought, you know, and maybe in a few years anyway, I listened to this Arbitrage podcast of yours more than once. Um, Which episode and was it? Uh, it was a couple, I think. You had a really early one. Um, that's the one. Yes, yeah. sir. And then you had another one with Aaron Bay, um, yeah, who yeah, has gone to go on, on to do some crazy yeah. successful stuff um, since, since yeah. that podcast. Um, and these podcasts just resonated with me. And uh, maybe it was the... I mean, of course, the cash on cash return possibilities were there. It was obvious, and it was a proven concept in Canada, uh, and so that to me made me think that that we can do this. Um, and all of our skill sets, my my wife and I, uh, we knew that we could create the teams um, and, and create a, a business out of this. But maybe the biggest thing about the arbitrage for me, which didn't necessarily come out on those podcasts, um, I saw the value in it as a real estate investor who wanted to hold long-term properties. And I guess what I mean by that is I saw an obvious value proposition that we could, we could provide a service to real estate investors that if someone approached me with this model saying, hey, I, you know, I wanna lease your property and this is what I'm gonna do and this is why you'd wanna lease to me. Uh, I thought it just made perfect sense. Like it solved a, a an issue with, with real estate investing, right? Which is the tenant, a lot of challenges, mm-hmm. a lot of risks that come with that long-term tenant and if we could solve that challenge for investors, we can create a business with a clear need and a clear value proposition. And so uh, we went to work on, on the research and building out the value prop and running it by hypothetical real estate investors. And once we had conviction that someone,
0: that people wanted this and, and would, would value our service, we, we quit and went all in. So you talked to real estate investors and said, would you rent your place out to, out to us?
1: Yeah, that essentially that that was be the early stages of the research. Aside from running the numbers, making sure the math worked, there's the mm-hmm. profit margins there. That was all the obvious stuff. The next big question was, you know, would enough people see the value mm-hmm. in this? And so I just started networking with real estate investors. And, and what I found was beneficial uh, was not going to them with a specific property in mind, because then there's a lot of uh, you know, you don't get people's honest reactions. They're defensive, mm-hmm. they're they're not answering questions clearly because they're kind of defending their, their property. But if you just network and you reach out to someone to say, hey, I know you you invest in real estate. I had this you know, business idea or a concept. Does this make sense to you? Just open and honestly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if not, why not? And so essentially, I started compiling a list of the objections, why they might not like it and why they would like it. And then essentially, we just use that to create a value prop and create a business model and practice um, and value proposition that we knew we can deliver on. And once we had that, I essentially went a kind of cold calling and it didn't take long before mm. we had a whole bunch of people ready to sign leases. And that's when we pulled the trigger. We had, you know, six or seven leases all at once, the capital ready to go, the teams and business ready to go. And we kind of looked at each other, my, my wife and I, and we, we said like, Hey, this isn't going to be a side hustle thing. This is either we're quitting and we're going all in to build this company um, or, or we're not. And yeah. what do we want to do? And, and so we thought, Let, let's give it a shot.
0: Okay. And what was your value proposition when you called somebody? How did you put it in simple terms that made it appealing to them?
1: Yeah, we are the ideal solution as their tenant. And so, and I would share what we, what we have now, which is that we have real estate investors who have multiple properties in multiple cities, and we are their tenant and property manager for all their properties. Mm -hmm. And so you can imagine that as yourself, as a real estate investor, you know, you have a separate lease sign and and a different tenant in each property and, and you, you do your best to bet, but at the end of the day, you're not sure what you're getting. Well, once they know and trust me, us, my, my wife and I, um, we are their one tenant and one property manager for all their, their properties. And, um, it's peace of mind. It's peace of mind and it's time back back in their lives uh, yeah. to spend on, on things that are more important to them. Yeah. It's, frankly, it's also dollars. They don't have to pay for a property manager. We do it all.
0: And are you paying market rent?
1: Uh, it depends on the, the property of the situation. Uh, typically, it's something just under market rent. Um, you know, the, the, cost saved for them on, on property management just makes it simple for them. Um, and we'll, will lease their property as long as they like. So we definitely bring a lot of uh, value to the table, okay. but it's in that ballpark. It, it's around market.
0: Right? So when you're like, are these truly cold calls or are they warm calls? Like when you're, when you're reaching out to landlords,
1: they were uh, full on cold calls uh, for the first handful after that, um, cold calls weren't needed. We, we kind of are, are overloaded, frankly, with, uh, with referrals and people reaching out uh, through social media and other platforms okay. asking if we'll lease their property.
0: Okay. So people seem to be responding to it. You just get on the phone with them and, you know, w- what are the main points you'd start to hit, you know, introduce yourself and Hey, uh, you know, I heard that you're a, a real estate owner. Um, just curious if you're if you have any vacancies, like, are you starting it like that? Or are you diving into concept?
1: I see. Yeah, usually um, there's a property in mind um, Mm -hmm. with these that the real estate investors have been reaching out over the last number of months saying, hey, we have this property, um, you know, would you lease from us? So it's almost... Yeah. Frank, it has been them uh, pitching. Well, that's to, warm. To
0: us. That's what I mean. That's warm, but you going on to Kijiji, seeing a listing and calling uh, up, I see. the property in, owner in the,
1: in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was very, it, it was very templated. And, and took a long time to develop the relationship. So I'd send a, mm. I'd just send a message over Facebook or Kijiji. That's exactly right for um, a, a vacancy that I saw that fit our property criteria. I'd send them a note to say, Hey, we're, we're qualified tenants. Um, you know, if you have five minutes, could we chat uh, about a, a potential solution here? And so, I said yeah, I was just trying to get them on the phone. Yeah. Um, if you share the concept that is new You'll to never someone, get them on or phone. You do, yeah. no. no. So let's get them on the phone. And then I was very upfront right away, quick, very short, and to the point to say, "This is what we do. We we actually we lease properties from real estate investors, uh, and then we put that property up on Airbnb, and we manage your property entirely." And and I just stop because obviously that's a lot of information already. Right. <laughs>
0: But dissect that moment right there, because people hear Airbnb, and I'm not sure if there's a negative connotation there, right? If I said, I rent your property, and then I release it to students, I know that I'm going to get, oh, no, not students. We're not doing that. Um, Yes. Do they they have a similar resistance point to Airbnb, or are they favorable to that?
1: I would say it's a a mixed
0: bag. Um, Some are are quite, um, they
1: have a negative reaction to it. Others uh, right off the hop, are interested in it, um, but I find that the, the conversation generally goes the same way. As long as they're open to chat, um, I just have a short pitch to say what we do, and then I let them ask their questions um, because I, I want to know where their concerns or hesitations might be. And so I let them ask the next question to say, "Oh, well, you know, are you sure you'll you'll even get people you know renting in our area in, in the suburbs? Like, how will you be able to pay us and, and, and rent it out?" So I'll. I'll I'll talk to that a little bit, Like, You know, what about the damage and and how that, so I'll, I'll, you know, share on, on how the, how we monitor the properties, how we, you know, vet guests, how we inspect the properties after every guest. And so Mm -hmm. once they start asking questions and they realize that in order for our business to be successful, so that's essentially what the realization is they, 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 they're looking at me and, or they're talking to me and they, they realize in order for us to be successful, we need to keep their property in pristine condition at all times.
0: And even saying that and, to them, <laughs> like, let, let's face it. Like, you know, I'm a super host. If I want to stay a super host, your place needs to be in tip top shape always.
1: That's it. And yeah. that's kind of the, like the game, they kind of realize, right. And that you all, and I show them, I, you know, I bring up uh, usually we're on a zoom call. I usually try to get them uh, ultimately uh, onto a zoom conversation after the first quick chat, I send them some more information about our company, then set up time yeah. to have a zoom chat. I show them our listings and they kind of realize like their property will always look like this. And I kind of, I explain that yeah. once a guest checks out our cleaners and our teams go in there, not just to deep clean after every single guest, your property's going to have a deep clean, uh, but it's also inspected for mm-hmm. any damage of any kind. And I say, if there's so much as a new mark on the wall, even a small one, it's fixed immediately um, by us, no hassle or, or, or payment from you that we take care yeah. of all that. And all of a sudden you do the- like color breaking. match
0: paint and stuff. Like you do all that. You'll yeah. repaint the wall if needed.
1: All of it. And, and, we, and then they start to ask some more detailed questions about the property management well, What about this and this? And for each location, we have our power teams, right? So we have a, a go-to handyman, plumber, electrician. Um, and so based on what our needs are, unless they have a preferred contact, of course, we'll, we'll use theirs. But I essentially say, no matter what happens at your property, we will be on standby with our trusted contacts to handle the issue. And so all of a sudden they're realizing like we are that all in one package. We're going to be the ones paying them the rent and taking care of their property.
0: So what happens if the issue, like you're calling your plumber, if it's assuming it's a tenant uh, created problem, however, what if it's a fundamental building problem? Are you paying to fix that?
1: No. Yeah. and, And so, so that, that's the typical balance between a, um, you know, the property owner and the tenant, except in this case, since we're the tenant, um, we, we won't put up any fuss. We just get things done right away. If there's anything at all related to guests, we take care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no uh, structural things, uh, you know, general wear and tear uh, over time. We expect the property owner to, to mm-hmm. you know, take that responsibility.
0: What about roots and, and their sanitary connection and they have a backup in the basement then what do you do?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. Th- that's, that's tough. And so that's, again, the responsibility probably on, on the landlord in that case, you know, with the trees and and, and the roots, but it, it does it have an impact to our business. It would have a big impact sure.
0: on your business. That's uh that's a stinky stay, right? And you're going to have some guests that don't uh, aren't too pleased, right? And
1: that's it. And, and frankly, we, we had, we had a scenario or two over this winter or spring, we have, you know, our 30 properties now um, in these cities and, you you're bound to have that stuff and that's just those are just losses that you need to take and and yeah. over a diversified portfolio these are things that you have to expect uh, that you're going to yeah. have some some monthly losses for a couple of properties but it's part of the business
0: yeah so how does that affect you if something like that happens is it the initial stays you have to comp them back basically give them or pay for them to stay somewhere else and yeah uh, I'll, and you're doing all that those to options. save your reviews. Like obviously you don't want them leaving a negative review. So you got to go in there and do damage control.
1: That's it. It's all acting with, with urgency and, and,
0: and respecting our,
1: our clients who are our guests. Um, and so really just doing everything we can to mitigate their issue, right? They, they, they wanted a place to stay for whatever reason. And our objective is, is to mitigate mm-hmm. the stress or impact on them. And so thankfully we, we have lots of properties And so lots of the time we are able to get them Mm -hmm. up into another one of our properties. If not, we'll pay for, for them to stay at a hotel. Um, we'll sort of solve the cost afterwards. Uh, We know that if we're going to run a successful business, our clients need to be happy. So we, we, we start with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Worry about the dollars and cents later, fix the problem first and yeah, then go from there. So hospitality business, that's the nature of it.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's it. And we just have, have two clients in this case, right? So we're our, our two bodies of clients. We, we have our guests, that's the Airbnb business. Um, and then we have our property owners or real estate investors. And those are our clients too. Now that's, that's what we consider. We need to deliver our, our value prop for our real estate investors as well as for our Airbnb guests.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Now, in terms of, um, of the teams that you set up, I'm assuming you started locally, like you you were in Burlington, you decided to start the company. you have six leases you said that were basically put on your table, yes, sir, okay, so before we get into the teams, who's writing your your leases
1: uh I am typically my wife and i are are
0: on those leases, okay, so you guys are on the leases. It's obviously the Ontario lease in Ontario but you have an addendum does that addendum give you the ability to break do you have the ability to, to exit the lease if something comes up what kind of notice do you need to give
1: that, that that's right the the addendum has our our standard uh, provisions that's the the biggest one um and it's only in the uh, call it unlikely scenario where a bylaw is introduced that essentially shuts our business down at their property that that allows us to to break the lease and provide that 30 or 60 days notice depending on the The property owner.
0: So you're not, uh, you're not an open lease otherwise, or is it a, is it a uh, year lease? Uh,
1: Typically we do a 18 months or or two year lease um, Mm -hmm. just from our, our business model that the costs of investing into the property, right? So we sign a, we sign a lease for an empty Mm -hmm. home. uh, We spend, you know, 15 to 20 grand to furnish and and decor stage the place. uh, And then it, we want to make sure we're getting our return on investment. And so we need, we need at least 18 months in spring. So it kind of gives us two summers, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but if we're signing a lease at the end of the summer, September, October, November, uh, we're looking for two year leases.
0: Okay. So you want that now, what if you're in a, in an area that you're not sure of the concept, like, you know, a small market where you're just not quite sure how it'll play out.
1: That, that, that's Moncton right now. Uh, we are, we just expanded to Moncton, Um, and we're just launching with the one property and we're in this scenario, it's more of an open lease structure with the real estate investor. It's someone who fully understands the value of our business. We didn't have to Mm -hmm. pitch much to him. He, He just fully understood it. Yeah. And you know, investor speaking to investor, we were just saying, Hey, we are kind of piloting the area, which does him a favor too. He's interested in the short-term rental market space as Mm -hmm. well. And so we're essentially saying, Hey, we're going to give this a shot. um, But if if we need to, to close out the lease, uh, we'll give you notice and we'll even help you try to find someone to to fill the spot.
0: Okay. So, and in that case, you're out the investment of 20 grand to stage it. That's it. Now You can reuse some of that stuff. Can't you, if you have to pull it out? I mean, I guess Definitely. the problem becomes storing, storing your Airbnb uh, furniture, right? You're going to need a facility if you're starting to pull all that stuff out.
1: Yes, we, which we are, are starting to, to put together in our bigger hubs like Kitchener-Waterloo. We have, I don't know, at least 12, 12 properties now or so. And so it, it makes sense to have a, a storage available for all kinds of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Moncton, out of province, um, we, have high, we, we did our, our due diligence on the research. We have no reason to expect our Moncton property to not be extremely successful. Um, so we have a high level of confidence, yeah. but yeah, if, if that one doesn't go as planned, it's going to be tough to move our furniture or, or store it. <laughs> um, we, we were probably gonna be out the investment, but it was, you know, yeah. given the risk reward, we, we thought it made sense.
0: Okay. So you're saying that it is possible even around here that you make a move where you're, you, you know, it, it, it ends up not being a great decision and what, what what are some examples of that like what what cities were you not quite sure when you went into them uh windsor windsor okay yeah so it, what made you not sure about it
1: um it was just the the overall airbnb revenue the, the margins the margin yeah. we, we weren't sure if, if it was going to be there if we were going to get the consistency of occupancy and to be frank the uh, the quality of guests yeah. that every every location attracts different Airbnbers, and mm-hmm. we saw a lot of um concern from windsor properties that uh, there is a lot of you know complaints or, or issues with guests either throwing parties or or you know causing damage uh, at properties
0: okay you thought you get partiers in windsor why why would you assume that people coming over yeah, from the States.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah exactly. So, uh, but, but so far, so, so good.
1: Um, our, our margins, there's all those still aren't as great as some of our other cities, but, but they're doing just fine.
0: Okay. So teams wise, what, what are you doing to assemble a team in a new market? Like you make a decision to go into Windsor. Do you feel like you're starting from scratch?
1: Yes. In, in some regards, um, we're essentially, building out the power team uh, now be, before we launched to a new city. So in, in the beginning, uh, just for some context for, for the listeners, we, we quit our jobs only we submitted our, our resignations in the beginning of December, like five months ago. Um, okay. And after submitting our resignations, we launched our first couple of properties in December and now we have almost 30. And wow. so in the, yeah, <laughs> insane, just, man. yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's wild. Um, but in doing that, I mean, it has its pros and cons, right? You, you have to know that if you want to grow that quickly through, you know, in, in five months, uh, there's going to be some some costs in, in learning, which we were good with. We knew we had the capital, to, you know, to to learn, and we wanted to scale quickly for a number of reasons. Um, and so, we were launching in new areas without proper teams in place. We had processes in place, but the people yeah. are so important. You have to have trusted contacts. So for Windsor. We weren't starting from scratch from a process perspective, but we didn't have reliable contacts and yet we had leases signed. And so Mm. it does take time to find reliable people.
0: Do you go to each area or are you just on the phone the whole time? Um, yeah,
1: Windsor is a great example. Um, none of the partners have stepped foot in in Windsor, so it's uh, my my wife and I uh, uh, who have kind of started the the arbitrage concept. But we quickly found ground floor partners who really are responsible for the Airbnb operation. So there's the four of us that are owning and running this business.
0: Yeah,
1: and um, none of us have stepped foot in in Windsor. We've we've launched uh, three properties there and a few in in London. We we haven't been there yet.
0: Okay, so. Walk me through what you're looking for. We'll we'll start with London for, for an example, because I'm familiar with that town. So um, in London, what were you looking for? What neighborhood, what type of house?
1: Yeah. So that's also been, been a learning for us. Uh, each market seems to have a different um, type of successful property. For the most part, what we're seeing is a smaller duplex or multifamily property has the best margins for us.
0: Smaller duplex, okay. So, um, like, is it a bungalow with an up down, or is it you know something else? Because London was never huge for the up down bungalow. That's not that common there.
1: No, no. And so, um, and, and you're right. And we only have a couple properties in, in London, but it's it in Kitchener, uh, lots of duplexes, um, same in Hamilton and, and those seem to be performing the best. It's just, it's just the extra doors, right? Yeah. Um, extra doors. But square footage is important. So we we had a lot of single family homes in the beginning, even some larger ones, like three and four bedroom single family homes with a lot of square footage and the ROI and margins neither made sense. Um, it, so we're kind of moving away from those. It's just a much bigger yeah. investment to fill the space with furniture and decor. And yet they only garnered a slight bit more uh, from Airbnb revenue uh, than a smaller property. So smaller, cuter, um, like, you know, small, sleep a lot of people, that's, more people. Um, yeah. And as long as it's kind of cute and nicely designed, so less square footage, more bedrooms, more units, um, but it needs to be in pristine condition. Uh, that's kind of what our, our main requirement. We're not taking on any properties that have, really any issues it it needs to be a recently renovated property
0: so i mean just just to clarify when you say in the be- beginning you mean five months ago
1: <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> that, that, that's right that's, that's certainly beginning. one of our learnings uh, we, we had all these uh all these investors you know ready to sign leases and we wanted to start growing our business so I think we took on in in the you know first month or two we took on properties that we certainly wouldn't take on now they're still okay they're they're profitable um we just know that there's If if we can really be strategic and intentional about the properties that we take on with the data we now have that supports which ones are performing better than others, um, it it goes a long way.
0: But I mean, you you talk about seasonality, you talk about wanting to hit summer. I mean, is summer really more popular in all these cities? Because it's not like London's a tourist town. It's not like they're coming to go to the beach. It's, it's just a very, you know, middle-class town in the middle of nowhere effectively.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Correct. And from what we, we've seen with, um, you know, Airbnb data. And so a couple of our partners are, um, CFA and, and CPA uh, and so they, they know how to to run their numbers and, and do the the research. You make a great point. We find almost every city to be seasonal, but depending on the season, it's in different more ways. seasonal. Right? Yeah, is it is it yeah, different ways? Right.
0: Like some cities, some cities maybe winter is more popular, and then I mean, of course, if you're up north, it would be. But uh, true. Uh, no, I, I would say at least in the we're mostly in suburbs,
1: it just yeah. in just different ones across southern Ontario. So I, I don't think it's too yeah. too different. And, and what we expect to see, and what we see in, in the data we've collected, is that the summer certainly outperforms the winter by by quite a margin. It would be even more so in your tourist or or vacation yeah. spots. But that's most for properties aren't there.
0: That's surprising to hear like why, I mean, I guess for weddings and stuff, more people are doing that in the summer. So it could be things like that. Do you have any sort of explanation for that? I mean, you haven't actually had a summer yet, but uh, what are your your thoughts?
1: I think people make more travel plans for the nicer weather months. Um, In -hmm. in the winter, I would say what we're seeing is more, um, they require stays and they're like midterm and longer term in the winter. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is they're either, traveling for work because they work. have to, and they plan to be there for four weeks or six weeks or their home is getting renovated or there's a, you know, they have troubles at their home and so they need a place to stay for the winter. Yeah. So they're, they need to be there and therefore their longer stays. Uh, whereas people plan all kinds of gatherings with family. Um, it's not necessarily touristy stuff. It just people spend more time traveling in the nicer months because it's just nicer to do that. So no matter where the city is, uh, you yeah. just get shorter stays and
0: more frequent need. Okay. So let's go back to the type of unit. So a duplex, not really a vacation type of home, but then again, if it's got a nice cute look and it's got bedrooms that they need and parking, I guess everyone needs parking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah all of our, it's a big, big requirement for our properties to have yeah. a sufficient parking.
0: Yeah. Okay. So would the basement need two parking spots or one? As long as the upper and
1: lower have, have a separate spot, usually spot. that works.
0: Yeah. One spot's good. Okay. So what type of uh, numbers would you be getting on the duplex in London? Say it was, I don't know if you, like, give me an example of the property that you have in London.
1: Yeah, sure. So we can, if we had a a three bedroom upstairs and a two bedroom downstairs uh, type of uh, property, um, you know, rough numbers, I would say, you know, it would cost us about 20 grand to, to stage the whole place, furniture and decor. Yeah. And our target uh, return on that investment is 125%. And so we had looked to make about 25 grand um, per year in net profit after all expenses.
0: Okay, so let's break down how that would look. So that bungalow duplex, what are you expecting your average rents to be across the upper unit, say the three the three bed? Do you have a ballpark? Jeez, or you, yeah, if you know I, the number for the whole thing, if you know the number for the whole thing, tell me that.
1: Uh, yeah, I I, would say I, sh- I should have brought on my 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 partners, uh <laughs> Tracy and, and uh the CP and CFA who run all these numbers for us. Um but I, would, I think the in the summertime for a three bedroom upper, you might be looking at, you know, $165 a night type thing. Um, and for the the lower unit, it might be $125, $135.
0: Okay. And so that's kind of it's in the three hundred dollars yeah. So is that like three months of the year you generate that? Or that's the high and what's the low if we were to average it throughout the year?
1: Yeah, the the low might come down to yeah, you know what I would say that that's probably mid-range, frankly. Uh, Andrew, that that that's probably three hundred dollars and averaging across the, the year is the yes, that's right. What the kind the, the of peak vacancy months will you would do have? better than that. Uh, uh, yeah, we have uh, at least at least eighty percent um, occupancy, occupancy uh, for for the year, and yeah. I'd say more typically eighty five or higher.
0: Okay, so if it if eighty percent, then you'd be eighty seven thousand six hundred for the year. So you'd be about seventy three hundred a month on average. That yeah, sound that about sounds right? about right. Yeah, but so for the duplex, seventy three hundred a month. I mean, that's a make sense number, I think. Um, okay. Now in terms of expenses you have for operations, you have utilities, right? Um, Yeah. So utilities, what do you think? You're probably like 300 bucks a month in that range. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then maintenance, you're going to have maintenance. Uh, do do we do a 5% budget? Do you guys budget for that or,
1: um, yeah, we, we do. I think typically 3%
0: knowing a good chunk of it
1: is for, um, you know, the landlord for, for maintenance.
0: Okay. So 3% would be 2,600 bucks a year. I mean, does that cover the paint you got? If you guys have to repaint the thing, uh, or if there's a couple I, of plumbing I've, incidents, that's that covers yeah, it. Yeah. I, I would think that
1: that's even, it, it, it's probably a conservative number, meaning it, it's, yeah, on, it's on, that's on the high than, end.
0: It's less than that. Okay. Be,
1: yeah. Cause, cause Airbnb does a fantastic job of reimbursing us for anything Any guest related. So like, it would have okay. to be a lot of stuff that, you sure. know, isn't being covered.
0: Okay. Now insurance-wise, are you guys buying any sort of policy to indemnify the landlord or their their insurance covers it?
1: Their insurance covers it along with the Airbnb uh, coverage, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, In some you cases, could, you could we're pass we're- the Airbnb coverage on to them, basically. If it yes. happens, yeah. it's taken care of. Okay. Correct. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So you have nothing for taxes because you don't own the place. Uh, right. And then you have your lease amount. So your lease amount on that place, if it's doing 7300 a month on average, what are you paying per month, you figure, ballpark?
1: Uh, for, for the, maybe, uh, call it thirty four
0: hundred, thirty five hundred. So that'd be about 40,800. If it was thirty thirty four hundred. um, management, you guys don't pay anything. It's just your own expenses. If there are any, that's right. So there's like an internal number we could use maybe like a few hundred dollars. Like if I did 1%, that's 800 bucks. Does that sound about right?
1: Uh, yeah, let, let, let's go with yeah.
0: that. Okay, now what about cleaning, miscellaneous, and consumables? Is that on top of the numbers we've discussed? You... Uh,
1: the the
0: consumables and supplies, we would add on to that. Um, you call it you know four
1: hundred dollars a month. Um, you know, so, so, yeah, all, all consumables and 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 supplies there, yeah. but the cleaning fee is covered by the the revenue. So the revenue number okay. I gave you sure. is also
0: the cleaning fees. Okay, so the cleaning fees are on top of that. So that that's just adjusted out. Um, yes. Okay. sir. So your cash flow on that is let's just see because there's no mortgage, <laughs> not for you anyway. Uh, So you're like twenty five hundred bucks a month on that place. Does that sound about right?
1: Yeah, that, that that's probably um, a little bit higher. We might be missing something, but yeah. like yeah, because like I mentioned, right, twenty grand to invest, twenty five grand for the years. So that sounds like thirty yeah. grand, but it's it's in the ballpark.
0: Yeah. So if you're 30, yeah, if you're 30 grand, you're, you're about 130% ROI. What do you,
1: okay. yeah, that's right. And the goal is 125. So we're definitely in, in the neighborhood there. Um, and it, call it other fees. Maybe the um, in-house costs are higher, right? We, we have oh, our yeah. virtual assistants, we have our accountant and bookkeeper. Yeah, so we're yeah. really talking net, net, net here is 125. Right. And so- right.
0: Yeah. That's why it's, it's, it's a little bit of a lie to say our our management is, is 1% when we know we have a team we pay on the internal. Uh, it's right. like it's about allocating that cost because it's tough to allocate it sometimes, right? Um, yes. it's super helpful to get granular with this stuff just to see how it it, it plays out. So, I mean, when you're I should working, have with, on,
1: I should have brought on my CFA. He, he would have ah, broken. Good. He would have given you precise numbers all the way down. My fault. Yeah, I, I
0: didn't even <laughs> want the precise. I just want the back of the envelope. But you know, because. I don't want to detract from the concept, right? Like nice to get granular with some stuff, but uh we've got a good picture of what what it is that you're doing here that. Um tell me about what are the, what are some of the things you do to make your places, you know, wow. Yeah, uh
1: Amenities are, are helpful depending on, on the location. Um, and so we're talking like uh, you know, ping pong tables, um, workstations. so like a nice desk within the proper monitor setup up and, and, you know, where people are traveling for work. It's nice to give them, uh, you know, those, those extra pieces there. Um, and we're starting to use some, uh, we're exploring interior design as well. So our properties look great. Our in-house team, um, our partner, um, she does a fantastic job designing these places. But we're realizing more and more that those properties that they're the same properties, but if you really know how to make a place wow, it just attracts those extra. It, yeah, you, you can just garner higher revenue. So we think it's worth our upfront investment. Call it instead of twenty grand to stage a place. If we're, we can spend 23, uh, or 24 and get some help from an interior designer and over the period of the lease, we, we would expect to make more than that money back.
0: Right. Yeah. And that makes, uh, that makes sense. Like I'd, I'd be, uh, on board with that too. Cause I definitely see the value in that. Um, I guess the, the challenge is finding an interior designer for three grand. Um, you know, yeah, fair with, enough. you almost need to just find, they don't have to be like you know, educated in the area, but but if they just got a knack for it, and then hire them, hire them, come that's on, you know, exactly what we're trying to stuff. You can even find people who do that on on Fiverr and stuff, and and probably on Upwork who will do it virtually. Right, show them the rooms, and they'll they'll make a suggestion list for everything you should buy for the place.
1: Yeah, and, that, that's exactly right. And, and through our first five months, it's, it's crazy. Only think it, it's been it's only, it's only been five months. But it was all just getting these properties up, making sure our process were being built behind the scenes. Like it's been a wild ride. Um, just recently, things have started to settle where the four owners are having a chance to kind of do a full on business review, assess our business as a whole, mm-hmm. uh, assess our portfolio, use data to influence our future decisions. So we kind of, we had a full blown weekend to review everything about our business Mm -hmm. and think about where we go from here. How do we improve our systems? How do we improve our value to our guests, improve the value Mm -hmm. for our our real estate investors? um, Really asking all the questions about how do we make our company better? Mm -hmm. We haven't really had a chance to ask those questions enough along the way, uh, but we're certainly asking them now and we're going to be adjusting our, our approach and our processes uh, to make sure we're, we're building something special here.
0: Yeah. Like what are the next steps for you? Like where are you, where are you taking the business from here? Yeah.
1: So, um, the U S <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we are expanding to the U S and, and the, I think the, the most obvious reason for it is just the margins. Um, in Southern Ontario, they're, they're okay. The business certainly works. It's viable, profitable. It's great. Um, but we know we can run the same business with the same effort and the mm-hmm. same investment in other locations that just have a natural higher profit margin. And so if we're talking, uh, we do, you know, just over two X maybe of, of rent on Airbnb revenue. So similar to the numbers mm-hmm. we just talked about, right? If our overhead for the property is 3,500 of rent, um, we might do seven grand or so in revenue. Whereas places in the U S there's lots of them that will easily do three mm-hmm. X. And sometimes we're talking about close yeah. to
0: four X and that's just that the national market. Like offhand.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. So th- a few States in particular, um, I'll start with like, uh, Virginia, Florida, uh, New Mexico. Um, there, there's, there's a few of them within, within, within Florida. Uh, there's so many good ones. Orlando's fantastic. Um, Fort Lauderdale. Um, and okay. then within Virginia, uh, Alexandria is a, is a city that we're,
0: we're looking at. Yeah. It's right outside of Washington, right? Yes, sir. Interesting. Okay. Um, now, yeah, I was thinking why we were our numbers off before? We didn't include anything for landscaping because you are going to have to do that garbage yes. removal, like somebody to come to the house. Um, who would you have do stuff like that? Yeah, we have,
1: a, we call it a, a boots on the ground is part of our our. Trusted uh, power teams in, in every city, and so this is someone uh, usually someone young, motivated, looking to make some extra money. Um, mm-hmm. And so they're they're flexible. Uh, their hourly rate is reasonable. They do a lot of our ad uh, ad hoc jobs if they need to run errands or go meet mm-hmm. the guest for some reason or, or meet a technician that's coming to the property, yeah. take out extra garbage to the curb. Um, we usually have someone yeah. there on standby. But our process is we we usually have we usually have guests bring their garbage and recycling to the curb on, on the night before yeah. garbage. Most are, are are fully fine doing yep. that. And if they don't like the idea, we'll we'll pay someone to do it.
0: <laughs> you you get your guests to do it?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was, it's typical. We 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 did the research in the area that like it was it just kind of a question like hey, how's your stay so far? Hope everything's going well. Um, you know, just so you know the it's it's garbage and recycling pickup tomorrow, if you don't mind bring it to the curb. And we even say like, but if you'd rather not, no problem. We'll take care of it.
0: Wow, okay, yeah, that's interesting. I'd love to see the response, response. guests have. Have you had any to say no way?
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, out of out of hundreds of guests across our properties, I think we had two that kind of, you know, were like didn't like the idea of, of, of doing it. Um, and I mean, the cost that it saves to not have someone responsible fully for taking the garbage, like it's a monster number. So, and and so we weren't sure, to be honest, Andrew, we, we, we thought like, Hey, like, as we're thinking of all the ideas of how we can improve our our costs and and without bringing down the experience, we thought like people probably wouldn't mind that especially for these suburban properties, Mm -hmm. we can see vacation properties, touristy properties, Yeah, people are going there for, you know, that's a different type of Airbnb. Mm-hmm. These people here for work, they don't mind.
0: For sure. Okay. Yeah. That, that's a good distinction to make. Um, Charles, I could probably ask you questions for hours, but unfortunately I'm time restricted today. So uh, why don't you tell us where people can find you or learn more about you?
1: Yeah. So uh, Instagram is probably the best location to follow our journey along. Uh, we haven't spent too much time on on the page just yet, but we're ramping up for sure. So if you want to see where we go from here, uh, that's the place you'll find us. Um, and I think th- you put that in the notes typically, but it's yes, uh, at it. uh, Crompton underscore elite underscore REI. And that's where you'll find
0: us. Perfect. It's super interesting what you're doing. Very ballsy. And, uh, you know, quitting your job like that, I guess you just, you know, you obviously had a little bit of a fallback in terms of what you've built through your career and your investments Yes, sir. Uh, and, and a lot of confidence in yourself and the concept, right?
1: That's it. Hey, jobs will always be there, uh, creating yeah. something special. Those opportunities only happen once in a while. So we don't see it as a risk. We see it as uh, living our best
0: life. Awesome, okay. any parting words and of wisdom for would be action takers who uh, who want to get get into this type of thing?
1: Uh, reach out. I, I'm opening up some uh, some coaching slots as well, not just for arbitrage but for creating wealth. Um, I was a professional coach for for a while in my career, and I love doing it. love helping people. so just don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, just send us a DM on on Instagram. Um, I'll connect with you and um, you know, just a chat or you know be part of our coaching program.
0: Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing. And uh, yeah, let's stay in touch. And I mean that, like, if you know, ping me every once in a while. I'd, I'd love to see how things are going. Absolutely.
1: I'll do that. Thanks, Andrew.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one.